This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Let's take tech in the right direction to drive social change and close the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. This podcast is focused on helping turn ideas into action to create opportunities for women to advance in the dynamic technology industry. I hope this podcast will inspire and motivate you to encourage more women and girls to seek or grow a career as a woman in technology. Stories about the journey of amazing women in this tech field starts right now. Welcome to the show, Heather. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Jennifer. I am so happy to be here. So happy to talk to you. That's great. So let's jump right in. Uh, Can you tell me a little bit about your career in the casino industry? Because that's fascinating in itself. But also, you know, if you can touch on was that a male-dominated industry when during your career, I think things are changing there now, but would love to hear your perspective. Yeah, sure. I'm happy to talk about that. Um, I had the great fortune um, of being able to get into business at actually a pretty early age. Uh, I grew up in Las Vegas. It's my hometown. Um, You know, went all through school, grade school, high school, um, and working in Las Vegas. And one of the things about Las Vegas is that it's a 24-hour town. And, And so there's, you know, there's some pros and cons to that. One of the opportunities that I was afforded was because it's not a nine to five type of a business. um, I decided the minute I turned 16, I wanted to work. Like I, that's something I have always, you know, wanted to do. Um, It's it's something that I took upon myself the minute I turned 16 to, I can vividly remember uh, telling my parents time for me to put together my resume. (laughs) I'm a, you know, I'm a sophomore in high school and, and I actually vividly remember I took a Saturday and I went up and down the Las Vegas Strip into their HR and hiring offices, which the majority of them are in kind of the back alleys of the big casinos. They're in the shadows of those big buildings. And uh, I marched in there with a business suit and uh, and started dropping off my resume. And so um that at that time, um, they had an on-call job that was part-time, temporary, uh, for special projects, uh, working in the HR office. And I said, great. And they said, you, you know, you got to be here around 3.30 in the afternoon, and it goes till 7.30 at night, and, you know, it's kind of a part-time gig. And I said, great, that's perfect, right up my alley, administrative. And so I did that in high school. As a sophomore in high school, I would go in there for several hours a day and ended up the senior vice president of HR for the MGM grant. And um, that evolved to a a number of jobs. Uh, I was a lifeguard for one summer. I was a ticketing agent uh, for a time being. And over the course of my high school career and then heading into college, I um, started to be a special events coordinator. So I would actually fly home on the weekends while in college, and I would go support some of the casino events. Um, so that was a crazy experience, an awesome experience for me, the flexibility that they gave me and the great opportunities, even when I went away to college outside of the state, um, to have to have that job experience. So um, 
you know, I loved my, my experiences working in the casino um, because I had so many different jobs. I worked for MGM Resorts for 10 years um, because right when I graduated from Cambridge, in a full-time capacity, I worked um, in casino marketing and special events at a number of different properties for a number of years after that. And so, uh, so grateful for that early in career experience. And it's something um, that I, you know, hope my daughter can have that kind of experience. It, it matured me. It made me have a business acumen at a very young age. Uh, but on the flip side, I always joke that, you know, if I have any regrets, my regret is um, definitely not being the cool kid in high school because I, I, I ended up having to wear business suits sometimes <laughs> to, to high school because I knew I wouldn't have time to change. And so here I am, you know, the complete and utter nerd in high school just showing up <laughs> like I'm pretending to be 25 or something. But I was like, hey, I got to go to work. <laughs> That is so great. I love the confidence that you portrayed at such a young age to just go in and ask for the jobs. Where do you think you got that confidence from? How how did you like just get out there? That that's not easy. You know, it's an it is an interesting question. I mean, I do um I mean, I do attribute a lot of that to my parents. I mean, my parents are the type of people and always were, you know, you know, dream big, go big. You can do anything. You are capable of everything. You know, don't, uh, there were no barriers or parameters or limitations on my mindset, you know, as a child. And I think that's so important for parents to instill that in their kids to think big, think wildly crazy dreams and dream, dream it and make it happen for yourself. You know, that is part of the entrepreneurial spirit that you can really, I think, instill in anybody. Um, and uh, I, I, so I attribute it to that. I also attribute it, you know, to get personal, you know, to, you know, some personal things that happened to me at a young age. You know, there were times when my dad was out of work and I vividly remember, um, telling myself, and believe it or not, at age seven in first grade, I can vividly remember, and I always say this is my defining moment of my life, you know, to be able to reflect back and know that that moment was a defining force. And uh, I'll never forget, uh, it was my birthday, and my mom, we had cup, had made cupcakes. The cupcakes um, had somehow gotten ruined, and then my mom to me and I said, great, let's go get some more cupcakes for my birthday. And I'll never forget. My mom said, I only have 17 cents in my bank account. Mm -hmm. And that was a defining moment in my life um, to say to myself, I will never be in that position. Mm -hmm. And so I can remember then from that point forward, first grade, second grade, third grade, always thinking about uh, how do I make money? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, how do I be an entrepreneur? I can remember somebody asking me in third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be in charge of my destiny. I want to make sure that I am, you know, totally, um, you know, self, you know, self-capable, self-supportive. I remember in thir third grade, again, um, UNLV, which was the local college there, did a really cool initiative with elementary school students to try and teach them about the stock market. Uh, gosh, I wish they'd do that with my child. Um, and I remember opting into this extracurricular activity called the stock market game, you know, sponsored by UNLV. 
And every day I'd come home and I'd have the newspaper back in the day when they used to print all the stock tickers in the newspaper line by line, and there'd be hundreds of them. And I remember coming home and like taking a highlighter and like looking up the stock prices and trying to figure out how does this work, you know, because I, I instinctively knew like somehow this is how I feel like I might make more money. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, people have their own um, things that happen to them in life or that inspire them or motivate them. And for me, that's what I think instilled for me a confidence Maybe not even confidence, but more of a drive that, you know, this is something I want to do. I love that. I think we are very similar, um, both of us in that in that respect, because I started, you know, being an entrepreneur at 16. So mm-hmm. very, very true. I mean, it is the drive. It is um, that drive to make money and never be in a situation that, you know, you feel that you don't have. So um, that's awesome. That's awesome. So what brought you to Seattle Uh, from casinos to Microsoft? Wow, what a huge change. So tell me that journey. Well, this is my second tour of Seattle. So when I was in high school, I, I fell in love with a college catalog for the University of Puget Sound. And my parents didn't have the resources to go on these amazing college tours that everybody does now. Um, But so I literally looked at a college catalog, said, well, these are pretty pictures. This looks like a great place that I think I'd like. And I did an early admission process and they accepted me and I didn't apply anywhere else. I said, great, this is where I'm meant to go. I'm just gonna go. And so then I literally showed up on the front doorsteps of the University of Puget Sound um, and spent four years there. So uh, during the course of those four years, I and I had a wonderful, wonderful college experience there. Um, but I also recognized that maybe the weather wasn't for me. And that's when I went right back down to Las Vegas and said, I, you know, I loved my time in Seattle area, but I'm not going to, you know, live there forever. So. Um, but lo and behold, met my husband, um, a number of years later and, uh, and we got engaged and four months after we got engaged, his company, he worked for the Coca-Cola company at the time, transferred us up to Seattle, uh, for him to open up the Northwest region headquarters. So I said, well, I've been there before I can do it again. And, uh, so now, gosh, we've been here nine years since then, When we moved up here, um, the company I was with at the time, um, they allowed me to work remotely. Um, And then I decided, you know, I want to, again, I have these very vivid moments uh, in my life where if I imagine it, if I dream it, if I say it to myself, if I say it out loud, I have been able to manifest it to come true. I know that sounds really crazy, but I I believe in that whole theory of of really... um, manifesting it to happen with your thoughts and your mind and your perseverance and your focus. Um, And so I was with my sister. We were looking for a place for my husband and I to live. And I remember being in the Lincoln Square area of downtown Bellevue and walking past the Microsoft elevator core and seeing the Microsoft sign. And I literally remember stopping, saying to my sister, I want to work there. Do you think I could work there? And she, you know, she, she knows me. She's like, whatever you want, you can make happen. And I, (laughs) I said, I, I want to, I want to work there. 
And, um, you know, I always tell people this, though. It took 40, um, it took me 40 job applications. It took me close to 18 or 20 job interviews. It took me consulting for a year at Microsoft before I was hired. So, you know, you don't never give up. I mean, I, I take calls with people all the time who are interested that want to work at this company that have set the, their sights on it too. And I always tell them, do not give up. You can do it, but you're, you're going to take a lot of rejection in the process and you just have to keep fighting for it. Make those connections, keep your network going, get as involved as you can, uh, work with companies that work with Microsoft get involved in what they do. It might take consulting through a consulting firm to work with Microsoft just to get the exposure and the experience, you know, uh, don't put a time limit on it, but, you know, continue at it. And so, um, yeah, I've been at Microsoft now eight and a half years. So I feel super fortunate about that. That's awesome. It just is such a testament to your drive and your motivation to, to do what you set your sights out to and a great, great lesson for, you know, all of us and our listeners to, you know, women sometimes lack the confidence or, or look at the, the uh, negative side, not so much negative, but to say, you know, no, I can't do that. I couldn't do that. Instead of saying, yes, I can do that. I should do that. Let me go try. And you just really share such great stories about that drive and confidence and persistence that uh, is so helpful to all of us. Um, So was there an adjustment time when you moved from Vegas to Seattle? Obviously, weather-wise, big difference, right? I'm (laughs) in Arizona, so I know that sunshine that you depend on. Um, But was there um, a time that you had to really feel like you were adapting to something totally new or was it just natural? Well, if I go back to one of your earlier questions, Jennifer, that I didn't quite answer, but it relates back to this, which is when you think about moving companies, when you think about moving industries, uh, when you think about making a pretty big change like that for your career, which by the way, I encourage anybody and everybody to do it if you're thinking about it, because it only stretches you and builds up so much, um, uh, so much knowledge and uh, the just capability and ability when you make those kinds of big shifts. But one of your earlier questions was, you know, being in a male-dominated industry, mm-hmm. you know, what was that like? And I think about the change from moving from the casino business to technology. And one of the big changes was the culture change. So here I was pretty accustomed to actually a fairly formal environment. If you've, you know, spent some time maybe observing what happens kind of behind the scenes when you're in a casino or at one of those big properties, you'll notice the people that work there are always in suits. They're Mm -hmm. always kind of dressed to the nines. You know, the women are wearing three inch heels. They've got their nails done. Everybody is, is, you know, uh, looking the part, if you will. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was very used to that formal environment. Um, I was used to an environment where I would often be the only female in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was used to a, a very stringent hierarch- hierarchical type of mm-hmm. environment. When I came to work at Microsoft, um, 
I had assumed that it would be more male dominated, that that would be a similarity. I had made some assumptions falsely about how, how it would work and, and kind of the business function of the day to day. Um, what struck me about going to Microsoft and, and being that I was in a marketing capacity and I always have been, uh, I actually was by much more, many more women than I had ever been accustomed to in mm-hmm. my career. I, for the first time, uh, worked for women that I admired and looked up to and really wanted to work for. Um, and I feel so grateful for that. I've, I've never worked with so many women and worked for so many brilliant, smart, talented women who are truly advocates and supporters of me and my peers than, than at Microsoft. So that's been an amazing experience for me. Um, but when I, I'll never forget my first six months at Microsoft, which was hard, Mm. very hard. I, um, you want to talk about imposter syndrome, you know, Mm. boy, did I have it then because I felt like everyone around me was so much more smart, so much smarter than I was. Um, you know, I felt like the level of detail, the, uh, regimen, the pace, the quality level that was required of me had just shot up. Mm. And so it was hard for me to keep up those first six months. But then I got my feet under me and I figured out a way to, you know, make it work for me and and to make sure that I could be successful in that environment. Um, So not giving up, not feeling overwhelmed, not feeling stunned, which I was initially uh, Mm -hmm. by just everything feeling very different um, in terms of just how people showed up to work, uh, what, what a conference room meeting might look like or feel like uh, working in a, um, the, where I worked for my first four and a half years at Microsoft, we had an open space environment. So there were no offices. Nobody was in an office. When you, when you work on the Las Vegas strip, all of the executives have beautiful, amazing corner offices, by the way, with beautiful bathrooms <laughs> and kitchenettes. Mm-hmm. So here I was at Microsoft and nobody, none of our most senior executives had offices. <laughs> um, so, you know, there were some changes, but um, I, again, like I encourage anybody who might be thinking about an industry change or even thinking about coming into tech to do it because it will stretch you further than you ever imagined. You will be around amazing, brilliant people. Um, and it, um, it truly, it truly has been the challenge of my life. I mean, it has been so challenging every single day. I was just thinking about this yesterday. Like I love my work because of how much it challenges me and pushes me mm-hmm. to, uh, in, in so many different ways. So yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it was a good, good leap. And I recommend it. I recommend people who might be thinking about it to do it. I love that. Um, I love that you, you know, after those six months, kind of took control of your um, environment instead of having the environment take control of you. Um, and I, I just feel that, um, you know, you started to get probably more authentic as that time went on to really show that, yes, I'm just as smart, if not smarter than everybody there, and I can do this just as good as everybody else. But being authentic, I think, is a very big piece of it. Can you share a little bit about that 
like how did you start to grow into yourself and be more authentic? That is a very interesting topic because um, it's, first of all, I think it's always a work in progress. Mm -hmm. So I've been, I have a mentor coach. I've had, uh, I've had mentors and coaches off and on for my, my, the last eight, 10 years. Um, But I have one in particular right now that I've had for a year Mm -hmm. and she is kind of my right fit. You know, like I want to be with her for years. Like I Mm -hmm. think she's just like the right fit for me. And we've actually been talking a lot about this lately because I would say within the last three years is only then when I started to feel like I could be my authentic self. Um, so it's kind of weird to think that it might take 15 or more years of being in your career to finally feel like you could be your authentic self, but that's mm-hmm. my story. Mm-hmm. I truly feel that. And, um, and I feel like I've been able to actually bloom and blossom, if you will, or go further and do, do more by being and feeling like I can be my authentic self. But it's, um, oh, go ahead. I, I think it's, it's, it's not unusual for most people. You think that people get to be their authentic self because, you know, I'm living in this body. I know who I am. We don't, you know, I, I think it's a work in progress. I'm still working at it, but I know when you're your authentic self, every time I am, I feel so much better about what's happening around me. Do you feel that? I do. And I also feel like I am received better as well mm-hmm. by others. Uh, Cause people can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think also you can actually build out your capacity and your ability to have greater impact when you are your authentic self, because you no longer have that additional facade or standard or benchmark that you're trying to achieve. You're just being you and you're doing what you have to, what you want and have to do. And you're, there's just more energy going towards that. Now, is there a tip that you could give um, our listeners as to some of the things maybe that you've done to really get closer to your authentic self? Just one or two things. That is a, is a great question. And I actually am not sure that it's me being super mindful about being authentic. I think mm-hmm. it is more me being aware of my environment more because mm-hmm. I find for myself that the environment that I'm in will actually potentially necessitate whether or not I can show up authentically or not. That's and very so good. I think it's, a, I think it's important to be very aware of your environment and how that might be shifting how you're showing up. You know, if you're going into a very senior leadership meeting or a pitch or something like that, you're, you might behave differently or act differently or have that facade on than if you're just sitting around a conference table with coworkers you've known years for years. And so the, the, that's environment, that's environmental, but Mm -hmm. the mindfulness piece of that is knowing when it does shift you and being, being self-aware that, Hey, I'm, I am being a little bit more formal today for this reason or, and just being mindful of why you're doing it and how you might be able to insert some more authenticity into those moments 
when you feel comfortable. Ultimately, it's all about you feeling comfortable, you feeling like your best self. Um, but I'm much more self-aware of those moments and why I'm doing that, doing that or behaving a certain way. But, you know, I had um, a team member point something out to me recently, and it was hard to hear Mm -hmm. Uh, because I had thought I had made so much progress in this area of being authentic and being my authentic self and feeling more comfortable. And I had uh, a coworker say to me um, something that it did hurt. She said, uh, we were talking about uh, me having a conversation with somebody who was going to be leaving the company. And I wanted to find out a little bit more about why and, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of have a little bit of an exit interview type conversation or something Mm -hmm. like that. And, This person said to me, Heather, I'm not sure they're going to speak openly or candidly with you. I think they might be afraid of you. Mm. And it hurt because that is something that I've been working on for years. Mm -hmm. I remember being in my early 20s. I was managing people. And that was the feedback that I kept getting. Heather, you're too intense. Heather, you are you make people afraid or nervous or uncomfortable. People sometimes feel like they can't meet your expectations. Mm. That was feedback I got at a a pretty early age. And um, so I've been mindful of that, you know, and so then to hear it more recently when I had thought I had overcome that, that's something I'm digging into again with my mentor and my coach of like, Mm -hmm. okay, here I was, I thought I had made huge strides. I thought I had done great work uh, on myself not come across that way to be more authentic but here it is it popped up again the same feedback what are those mannerisms what is that behavior that's causing people to think that and so I'm I'm doing that discovery work now that's so interesting that's but your drive I think your drive your focus is so intense sometimes maybe that's what's causing it but the awareness, like you said, the awareness is half the battle and you're working on it and you're going to, it will pop up here and there, but I think it's going to get better because you have the awareness. That's so interesting. I think that might even be the case um, in many cases uh, with me leading some teams uh, where people feel that way. So very interesting. I will have to be more self-aware of that. So that's a good call out. Um, So, you know, you are in the tech industry now. You've been in there for nine years. Um, and you've had some great, great women, mentors, bosses, leaders. Do you feel women have the same opportunities as men in the tech industry? And not specifically in Microsoft, just as an industry as a whole. Do I think that the opportunities exist? Yes. Do I think the opportunities exist in all of the realms where women may have an interest in pursuing a specific career path? No. Mm-hmm. Do I think that there's inequality in certain pockets of work? Yes. Um, pointed example. I think it's easier for, in my own personal experience, for a woman to get ahead in marketing than maybe another part of an organ of the organization. Um, another couple of observations that I've had is I do, and I, this is also from my own experience. I think it's harder to um, make the progress that you might want to make in your career 
in some instances as a woman as well. I think that, you know, just like we read, we talk about, um, we're in so many women in technology groups or organizations and this comes out. I, I do actually believe we're held in some cases to a higher standard, um, fairly or unfairly. Um, in some cases I feel that that's unfair. Um, but I always do go back to, you know, my own principles, which we've talked about my own guiding, you know, uh, guiding direction, which is, you know, the tenacity, the perseverance, the, um, the, you know, the steadfastness of whatever you hold dear, whatever your goals are, whatever you want to achieve, whatever you do, do not give up. It might mean putting, having pauses in your career. It might mean putting the brakes on periodically or at certain moments in your career at your, at your discretion and based on your choice. I've done that. You know, when mm-hmm. I had my child, you know, I did that. And I've done that intentionally since then during when my husband was out of work, I just said, you know, I've got to focus on my family right now. I'm just going to pause for a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, I'm just not going to put in 70 hours a week, you know, during this six months, you know, and I think that's okay to do that. Um, but, you know, I think there's all these cause and effect, um, components that play into that, you know, um, but I, again, don't give up, keep doing what you're doing. And, um, I, I think success will come to those who put in the work and that's, I really, really believe that that's happened to me. Has it come as fast as I wanted it to come? No. Has it happened as quickly or in the moments when I thought it should? No. Have I been held back in moments that I felt were unfair? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did I let that get me down? No. No, no, no. I was still, and I still am very, you know, very goal driven. Yep. I don't, but I also caution people on putting the timelines on it. When I set my goals, I do set a goal timeline aligned to that, but I will tell you, I achieve almost every goal I set for myself, but not on the timeline that I set for myself. And I still think that's okay. Agreed. Agreed. Giving yourself permission to have that additional time or giving yourself permission to, like you said, in certain times of your life to hit pause. Those are so important for us women to always remember that's okay because a lot of times we are our worst enemies. We're very hard on ourselves. Um, and we have to prove ourselves, like you said. Um, you know, we're set at higher standards. We always have to prove ourselves uh, more, I think, than our male counterparts. But if we stay steadfast and we, you know, focus on making sure that we align with the goals and are just moving forward, always moving forward, I think that says a lot about where we can end up. Absolutely. And, and surrounding yourself with people that have the same belief system about that with you. Um, I love that. I think is really, really important. Um, I, I, I saw a quote just the other day and it just totally resonated with me, which is, you know, stop spending time with, you know, people that you, you know, might think you need to be spending the time with. Stop putting forth the effort with people that you once 
you know, thought, you know, I, I have to be this person's friend or I have to spend time with this person. Make sure that you're spending your precious time, which is the most important thing that everybody has, with the people that are building you up, championing you, advocating for you, have like-minded mindsets, who are goal-oriented, who are driven just like you because, um, man, those waters will rise, the boats will rise together when you are surrounded by those kinds of individuals. And I've made that intentional mind shift as well, I would say, in the last three to five years, mm-hmm. um, where I'm, I, I hate to say it, but it's true, I'm cutting intentionally people out of my life that are not aligned to um, doing better, being better, um, being goal-driven, um, and who, you know, have kind of that same optimistic foundation that I have. Yeah, because that's I, what I need. That's my fuel. Mm-hmm. That is so good because um, I know somebody once told me, you know, make sure that you surround yourself with people who are on the up elevator and not on the down elevator. <laughs> and I always remember that because if you surround Ooh, yourself, like with, yeah, if you surround yourself with people that are going to lift you up, like you said, there's no other way to go but up. But when you start, you know, getting in the elevator with people that are just keep going down, that's, that's where you're going to go to. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. I'm feeling that. Uh, that's yeah, a great yeah. one. And, and it's true. And now I feel like I've got my tribe, if you will, of, of women and it's powerful. I mean, to just, you know, hear from them, get a text message from them, you know, get notes in the mail, handwritten notes, you know, to have girlfriends still that write handwritten notes. I love that. That's powerful. Um, And then of course, you know, your friends on social media that are always uplifting, powerful, good quotes, you know, keep it going, you know, especially during this time of, of the stay at home orders and quarantine and COVID-19, you know, if you don't have that tribe rallying around you virtually and you're not seeing those messages and you're not being inspired, you know, uh, in those, alternative ways, um, it's going to be tough. I know for me, just knowing my personality. So I feel grateful that I have in the last several years built up that foundation so that in these moments when I'm, you know, literally landlocked in my house, um, I can have that support and that, uh, that cheerleader, the group of cheerleaders still rallying me on, uh, even in these moments. We all need that. We all need that. It's not just you. Um, we need our tribe. We need um, our friends or, you know, again, people who are lifting us up to get us through this really challenging time. So um, as chief of staff for cloud marketing, um, your position is very demanding. And then your driven personality. How do you find balance between work and family any tips you can provide our listeners that might be experiencing the same thing? Because I know it's a challenge for me every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one challenge that I've always personally had with balance is, um, is working out and kind of that health aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but for me, balance has always meant um, having a little bit of um, time to myself when I need it, taking it when I need it for sure. So going to get your nails done, that's just for me, that's even just like a little bit of fuel, you know, of just like, okay, I had my little bit of me time. Um, I'm not great at it. I'm not, I'm not 
I'm not at all great at it. And part of the reason I'm not great at that balance is because I'm an extrovert. And so I get my fuel from other people. So I like being around people at almost at all times. Um, so there's not a lot of alone time or me time. Mm-hmm. Um, but something that the quarantine has given me that I'm actually super excited about. I'm, I've never been a workout person. I've tried for many years. I've hired the trainers over the years and it's just, it's like not my thing. You know, I just, <laughs> I take classes and I'll do the classes for three weeks in a row. And then I'm just like, oh, I just don't think this is my thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've started to do and what I've realized for myself is that maybe I needed just smaller increments of that. And so I've just, I've been doing something pretty simple which is an online class of mm-hmm. 10 minutes and it's 10 minutes, 10 mm-hmm. minutes a day. And then just recently I started adding on five minutes for another, you know, I did 10 minutes of arms, five minutes of abs, you know, and that's mm-hmm. it. 15 minutes. And that's, that is all I can do first of all, cause I don't have an interest in it. And then mm-hmm. it's, I, it's short enough where I feel like I did something for myself today, mm-hmm. but it was only 10 or 15 minutes. So that's, really working for me of being able to feel like I have balance is when I can get that 10 or 15 minutes in a day, I feel so much better. Like I took care of myself today. Now I can go and feed everybody else who needs me. Um, So that's something new that I hope that in this quarantine, I can carry forward uh, when we get back to normalcy. Um, But otherwise I'm just, I'm not great at it. Um, And I just think that everybody needs to know what they need. And the minute that your body or your mind starts to tell you that you need it, do it because Mm -hmm. then it just, it can really um, fester and go into, you know, then then you're not taking care of yourself. So I just try to listen to myself, do what I need in the moment, um, you know, and take care of it that way. But um, I think women, women with families, um, women with other kinds of responsibilities, you know, we, we do, we put ourselves last um, innately because then people don't get fed and, you know, the house starts to fall apart. Um, But it is so important. And again, I just go back to that's why it's so important to have your tribe around you who can support you and also to make sure you, they remind you that you're not alone. I love that. That is so, so great. The small increments, if we can, you know, start and I did this with meditation because I hear so much about meditation and I'm like I cannot do it for 20 minutes I just can't I started out with like three minutes and now I'm up to like five or six minutes not big you know big uh, Mm -hmm. increase in time but I feel good that I'm doing that just like you said there's so much in that consistency and giving back to yourself even if it's in very very small chunks so I love 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 what you said about just, you know, adding another five minutes and over time you'll add it or you won't. And it's really okay either right. way. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's Absolutely. Great. And just giving yourself that grace. I, mm-hmm. I mean, don't put your pressure on it. I mean, one of my best friends and I give her so much credit for it. You know, she just woke up one day and decided she wanted to do, you know, the whole beach body routine of an hour and a half a day. And, she did it, you know, wow. I'm like, you know what, that is phenomenal. I'm so proud of you. That is not something I could do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> so this is so great. What closing comments or advice do you have for our listeners, women that are either thinking of getting into a tech career or maybe just want to dip their toe in to try something new? 
what advice would you give them? There are more opportunities than you think uh, when we talk about a career in tech. Um, and it's okay to start small and to just get uh, different kinds of experiences before you decide to make any big, big changes. And the first steps, I think, are going, going ahead, being bold, and joining some of the women in tech organizations that exist. There are many of them, and the majority of them that I am a part of and have been a part of over the years uh, don't require you necessarily to have, you know, this, this, you know, specific job in tech, uh -huh. you know, you can, I, I work with women who initially started their career in tech by being part of these, you know, women's organizations and these groups and these groups for entrepreneurs and these groups for business owners. And, and that's really where they started to um, get the exposure and the interest. And so I would encourage anybody, you know, go look online for your local women in technology chapters that might exist for Microsoft the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners has a, um, a women in technology uh, organization that's an offshoot of that. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you don't have to work at a major tech company to be part of that. You don't have to work at a major partner company to be part of that. Come, come explore. Come with your own ideas. Come with your own different kinds of experiences, whether you're in retail or hospitality or some other industry, CPG. Um, and if you just have an interest, come, you will be welcomed, your ideas will be welcomed, your different kinds of experience and your fresh perspective will be welcomed. Don't be intimidated by that. Um, because uh, what I find is the vast majority of those women as part of those organizations will take you under their wing and will, will allow you to learn and explore and be mentored and coached to the fullest extent that you will, you will allow them to. Um, so that's to me, step number one. And then step number two is just encouraging people to kind of get out of their shell and don't be afraid to be, be a networker, you know, network mm -hmm. with people, meet people, shake hands, uh, pass along business cards, uh, share what you can help others with. And in turn, they will help you. And um, always kind of lead with that in mind. Uh, we all can learn from one another. Um, and if you have an interest, you know, go explore in those ways. The other thing that I'll just mention is, is if you look um, in locally or even nationally and internationally, there are so many training opportunities available. Uh -huh. Jennifer, your organization offers them. Uh, the major tech companies offer certifications and trainings available. You even go on to LinkedIn and their Linda training series. I'm getting ready uh -huh. to take one of the Linda classes my, myself. Um, and I'm, I'm working out to figure out when I, I'll make time for that, but I'm really excited about uh, doing that. And then the other new thing that I have on my to-do list here during quarantine is if you've um, gone to masterclass.com, um, I'm going to be taking masterclass. I'm trying to figure out who I want to take it from, but I'm doing those types of, of things as well to, you know, just go and learn from others and hear from others uh, about some of those opportunities. So those are just some of my ideas. Those are great, 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 great advice. And I always believe if you're not learning, you're not growing, 
in some ways you're dead. So you always need to keep learning. So that's great. Well, Heather, this is such a pleasure. You know, I could talk to you for hours and hours. I know. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you. The next time we get to see each other in person, we will. Yeah. Thank you. Over a glass of wine. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank Thank you you so much. much. And thank you to your listeners. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening, and please take a minute to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. See you next week. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com as well as through itunes spotify and stitcher to find out how to be a guest on the show visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast until next time we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction This is the EWN podcast.